0: to teach you the depth of his word. Enjoy the study. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. I appreciate that. (laughs) If you guys heard me last time speak, you know that I like participation from the audience, for lack of better terms, so so thank you for that. makes me feel good. Um, But I'm super, it's an honor and a privilege uh, to have Roger here in person, everybody. Thanks, Roger, for being here. <laughs> no, I, I kid, but Roger actually drove in from Florida last night just so he could be here this morning. So hey, that's why his eyes are a little bit red. Um. <laughs> All right. So how many here for, we're, uh, were here for my messages last go around? Okay. A few of you? All right. Okay. So... I have enough content to keep us here till six, and those of you who are here know why the other ones are laughing. Um, no, I. I uh, so I'm going to be speaking for the next couple weeks. Matt's going to come back and do a couple weeks about Nahum, and then I'm going to come back for a couple weeks after that uh, because <clears throat> I've got a series here that uh, the Lord had had put on my heart, and uh, as I was just kind of in fellowship with Matt about it. You know, I realized that growing, growing up in the church, I never heard a message on conflict and how to deal with it from a biblical perspective. Has anyone ever heard how to deal with conflict from a biblical perspective? No. A couple of you? Okay. A couple of you. Right. So it's, it's just like the Word of God, there is a deficit of the Word of God in the church, uh, this is one of those topics that I think that it, there is a deficit. And I will tell you that, so my, my degree is in theology. Uh, I went to Bible school, and uh, I mean, if, Matt, if you were talking to Matt, he would say that it was cemetery instead of seminary. Um, so you don't need to go to Bible school uh, to be able to study the, the Word of God. But it was something that I was doing often, was involved in the ministry, um, lots of different ministries, and over the years... I just have not heard anything on this topic. And the thing is, there is a war, just like the video we were talking about. Um, There is a war that is going on, whether you know it or not. And the one thing that I, and I, I talk to a lot of my friends about this, is I like to disturb you. I want to disturb you, I want to be disturbed. I want to disturb you. We need to be disturbed. Why do I say that? And you guys are like, whoa, I don't like you already. (laughs) But why do we want to be disturbed? Because we do not grow when we're comfortable. And you know, we here, we are in Edmond, we have our lives, we have our good jobs, we have our nice homes, we have the sports that we do, we have all the things, we have the nice cars that we drive, and I'm not saying that those things inherently are wrong. But what I am saying is that those things are a distraction or can be a distraction from you and I feeling disturbed enough that that the Lord is the only thing that matters. And I have to sometimes be honest with myself and say, when I'm going throughout the week and I'm going to and from the office and doing all these things, it's like, I don't have that always top of mind. It's like, God, forgive me right? Because we need to be running after him because this life is temporal. And the things in it are temporal. And it's so hard to have that, that, that end kind of philosophy or mindset, but that's what the Lord tells us to do, right? Be mindful about my business until I return. Keep your eyes focused on me until I return, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to disturb you. I want you to leave here today completely uncomfortable, but uncomfortable in the very best way that you keep coming back and you keep getting into the word of God, because I will tell you that, and this is just my personal bias, but being involved in a lot of different ministries, I know that there are other churches out there that are, that are about the word of God, that, that that's all that they talk about, but I know that New City is. And so if we can continue, and I know Matt almost every single week, if not every weekend, will tell you, be in the Word of God, right? And that's where the war is. The war is in our flesh because from the fall of man, we had Satan's nature essentially injected into our our humanity, and that is the biggest spiritual battle that you and I face on a daily basis is battling our flesh. Am I the only one? No. (laughs) Right? And it's so much of an issue and I talked about these in the last messages, that in Romans 7, Paul talks about the struggle that he has. It's like Paul's great struggle, right? That's what I always call it, Romans 7. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I I don't want to do, I end up doing, right? It is a struggle. It is a battle. And so just like the video said, it's not with each other. Our battle is spiritual. It's not against flesh and blood. And I know sometimes, though, it feels like it, right? Or am I the only one? And I will tell you that especially when 2020 happened, boy, it just seemed like the divide got even bigger, right? I mean, it was like all these ideas, agendas being pushed. I want to be very careful because Matt said, please don't get us kicked off YouTube. <laughs> um, so I want to be very careful with what I say, but no promises. <laughs> and so you know but it it all of the the things that that have have come out, you know I mean um we've got the, the divide, the breaking apart of the body of christ, covid vaccine wokeism, pride month, right I'm super irritated that they hijacked the month that my son was born <laughs> no, but more importantly than that then they stole God's blessing in the rainbow, right yeah. like okay um all right, so and 2020 really amped up more and more opportunities for what? Conflict, right? We were having our Bible study this past Friday, which Brent does a great job. So uh, when, when, well, sometimes when Matt's around, it's just that when Matt's in the audience, he can't help but kind of hijack the, the, the meeting. So, but, <laughs> yeah, love you, Matt. Uh, those of you laughing, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, but Brent does a great job. But, but at the end, we were, we were doing uh, prayer requests and, and getting into prayer. And uh, one of the prayer requests was that, that they would have the words and the wisdom to have conversations with people that are around them because things are tough. Right? And that is just, it's just something that we're dealing with. I mean, I've seen families that were close being, broke, being being broke apart. And you have to realize, if you don't already, that everything that that God creates, Satan is destined to want to destroy. Everything that God builds, Satan wants to destroy. So God wants us to have fellowship. It is biblical. That's a big purpose why 1 John was was, was even written, so to keep the fellowship of the saints, the unity of the faith, right? And even doctrines go against that. It's like they grab their specific thing that they wanted to be about, and they would go, oh, you don't agree with that, but this is really, man, we want to plant our flag on this, and then comes the divide, and now we have different denominations. That's not biblical. That is not the unity of the faith that is talked about in Scripture. But here's the problem. How do we get to the unity of faith? Because there is conflict, there is opinions, there's self when we... Are, are, are passionate about something and we have a conversation and then offenses can come in because people pick up those offenses and then next thing you know, you know, there's the church of the east and the church of the west. Right? Guys, we have to wake up. Our war's not with the church of the east or the church of the west. Our, ch- our war is against... Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and how that's translated practically is in our flesh. It's in our flesh, right? You wake up and you go, oh, I don't know if I want to spend time with the Lord today. God forgive me for that, but I don't know. Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? I don't know if I want to wake up and spend time with you today, Lord. Well, what is that? It's our flesh, right? It's our flesh. And that is the biggest Bible, or biggest Bible, that battle, that is the biggest battle. It is the spiritual battle, is that, am I going to submit myself to the Lord today? to abide in Him, walk with Him, Holy Spirit lead me so that I'm living out organically the fruit of the Spirit, not trying to manufacture that because I have my six action steps that I'm supposed to do today because that's what someone else told me that I need to do to be a better husband or be a better father. And so not to do these action steps, but because the Spirit is regenerating me that I can walk out the Spirit, the fruit organically. And so that you don't have to tell me to be a better husband. You don't have to tell me to be a better father. I'm just living out Christ. That's why I want to be in the Word every day. That's why I want to be transformed. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay. I told Matt I wouldn't yell. That's my first promise I broke, sorry, Matt. <laughs> so it's causing dissension in the church, mainly and I dare I say, with believers. More than the unbelievers. At least that's what I experience, because I don't have a problem going up to somebody who doesn't know Christ and sharing Christ with him and the testimony of what the Lord has done in my life. And how can they argue with a testimony? They can't, because that's what the Lord did in my life and is doing in my life. Nobody can say, well, God's not doing that in your life. It's like, well, what? (laughs) Okay, but yes, he is, right? Right? It's a testimony. See, when I talk to Christians a lot of times, or or the so-called Christians, it's a lot about self and pride and being puffed up and a lot of different things that I don't experience a lot of times with the unbeliever. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist with the unbeliever, but there is a reason why all throughout the New Testament... There are warnings about testing everything, testing prophets, testing apostles, testing teachers, testing everything, being bathed in the word of God, being aware of the people that are trying to lead you astray and cause dissension in the unity of the faith. It happens in the church. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? So there there is conflict that happens in the church. Why? Because these ideas are anti-biblical. What are anti-biblical? The divide, the breaking of the body of Christ, like I talked about, right? Mentioned political um, aspects, Pride Month. These things are not biblical. <clears throat> and a lot of times, the reason that you can get in conflict or get in, in arguments with certain Christians about it is because they're not constituted with the word. I was having lunch with a buddy of mine a couple, a couple weeks ago, and you know, the conversation was, you know, how, how are your times with the Lord going? You know, what's the, you know, what's your time in the Word like? He's like, man, that's great. It's like, yeah, tell me, tell me what you're doing. He's like, well, you know, I've been reading this guy, like his lessons that this guy puts out and just kind of like what he thinks about marriage and, you know, these various things. And I was like, huh, okay. What about the Word? Like I'm not saying that that person that he was listening to isn't someone that he should be listening to. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that Romans 12, when he talks about the renewing of our mind, it's not talking about this great devotional. It's not talking about a great worship experience. It's not talking about anything other than the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that has that transformative pr- power in it so that when I look back at the way that I was, uh, was two years ago, that I'm like, man, I'm a totally different person. That's weird. The things that I thought were great back then, I don't have a taste for anymore because I was in the Word. And it wasn't something that I did or I manufactured. It was the Word of God. And yet, we resist being just in the Word of God. Oh, it's complicated. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Man, if you think that, please come talk to me afterward. I know nobody here does. But, <laughs> so I don't even know why I'm saying it, really. Really? okay, see you all later. No, no, but please come talk to me afterwards because I want to talk to you about the, the awesomeness of the word of God and how transformative it is. And that is what I would say is the biggest battle that we battle in our flesh. And that's what Satan wants to do is keep us from God's word. We have to be in the word. It is the only thing that will sustain us. The only thing. Because he is the word, John 1.1, 1, 1, right? I get to dissect and, and get the word of God and eat the word of God and it gets in me, giving me the spiritual nourishment that I need so that I can be nicer to Roger. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> All right, but is this making sense? If you stand for biblical truth, you are disruptive to others. If you live a life of being transformed by Christ by spending time with him every day, you are disruptive. You are being disrupted and you are disruptive. Why? Because the closer that you get to his refining fire, he's burning away the things that don't belong. That is not an enjoyable experience at times. Okay? It's not. It's tough. My first year of Bible school, I wanted to quit because God was ripping apart everything that I thought I knew and rebuilding a foundation of truth in me that I would have a desire for just him, just the word, and all of this other stuff. Name one follower of Christ that didn't have a conflict you can't. Conflict will happen whether you want it to or not, so you might as well embrace it. I know a lot of people that I talk to is like, oh man, I I don't like conflict. I will avoid conflict at all costs. I do not want to, to have anything, so maybe I'll even concede what I actually feel about the situation just so that we can continue to have a friendship or whatever it is. You might as well embrace it because there's going to be conflict And actually, I would argue that that is more exhausting than actually just dealing with things head on. I've got some head nodders in the room. Sometimes conflict arises from the littlest things, and if not dealt with, will turn into huge things. It will turn into huge things. There's something that happens sometimes in our being that we say, even if you want to go talk to that other person, you think, man. This is such a little thing. It's, it's going to sound petty if I go to this individual, but, you know, but if you're really honest with yourself, it is causing a problem in your attitude in you, it, towards this person, and then that will fester and turn into other things. You might as well just deal with it. Keep everything out in the light, right? Because those littlest things, even though you think it's a little thing, it will fester into a big thing, I promise you. I promise you, it will fester into a bigger thing if not dealt with, okay? All right. So we're going to be spending some time today talking about conflict and conflict resolution from a biblical perspective and uh, some biblical examples of conflict, okay? So now the introduction is over. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. I know I say that. Sometimes I feel like I even oversay it, but I, the truth is, is that I can't overuse that or oversay that. Lord, I want to love you more every single day. I want to desire you more every single day. I want to have a desire for your word more and more all the time. Holy Spirit, lead us, lead me as we abide in you, God, and as your word transforms us so that we live out you as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Lord, I pray that your word would get into our hearts, calloused or not, that you would break down any barriers, anything that stands in the way from having this message seeded, planted in good soil so that it will grow and then we will live out the unity of faith and fellowship. Because I realize that I need my brother, I need my sister to run towards you, God, can't do this alone. You didn't design a privatized faith. You didn't design the corporate assembly for just individual encouragement. That I'm encouraged by my brothers and sisters when we gather, and it helps me run towards you, God. So I pray that I would be submitted to the authority of your word, that this is not me up here speaking, that it is you, God, that it is your words and not mine. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, um, these are kind of things that go without saying, but I'll I'll just say it anyway. Um, That the Bible, if you're a Christ follower, the Bible is the ultimate authority. Okay? There is nothing else. The word of God, all scripture is used for correction, for rebuke, for teaching, right? You guys know that verse? And God is the word, right? So he holds his word above his very name. So that's why it's the ultimate authority, full stop, okay? So we looked at the, look at the Bible and say, okay, but are there conflicts in the Bible? I mean, should we, shouldn't we just all just get along and I'm going to address that as we get further in, but there are conflicts in the Bible, believe it or not. Here are a few. Number one, uh, uh, oh, by the way, I didn't print out the notes. I'm, I'm not as nice as Matt, I guess. So if you guys want to take notes, we've got pens, we've got blank paper, uh, and you guys can do that. So God and Satan, Revelation 12:7, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon... And the dragon and his angels fought. Revelation 12, 8. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Conflict, right? Two, God and man. Man. Genesis 3:12. And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And Satan's nature was injected into humanity, and the whole world is born into sin. Conflict. 3. Cain and Abel. Genesis 4:6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Where where why has your countenance fallen? I love how the Lord just asks kind of um, rhetorical questions. <laughs> Matt always talks about, maybe even with a hint of sarcasm, but it's kind of like, you know, he's asking questions, he already knows the answer. Why has your countenance fallen? Genesis 4.8, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Conflict. Joseph and his brothers. Genesis 37.4, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him Abraham and Lot the quarrel between the shepherds Genesis 13:6 now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together Verse 7 there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock well Abram at the time but Abr- Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock Quarrel. Conflict. Moses and Pharaoh. You all know the story. Starts the story of Moses and Pharaoh's conflict with let my people go, right? Korah. Leading people to rebel against Moses and Aaron. Numbers 16, 1 through 40. I encourage you to to read that story. Um, There's a lot of verses that we won't just uh, go over today, but Korah took 250 men and rose up against Moses. Numbers 16, 21. "'Separate yourselves from among this congregation "'that I may consume them in a moment.'" Wow, that's it's like, get away from the people you're around because um, I'm going to have the land eat them. It's like, okay, <laughs> how do I get away fast, quickly? Numbers 16:32, "'And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up "'with their households, households and all the men with Korah "'with all their, uh, with all their goods.'" 30, verse 33, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Verse 35, and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Conflict. Jesus in the culture, right? Pharisees. The Gospels. Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark Luke, John. Jesus' ministry. Right? Just read those and, and see if there's any conflict. Okay? Jesus and Peter. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Every time I read that, or every time my wife reads that, she's like, I would cry. You know, She's more sensitive than I am. Fake news. Fake news. Hey, listen, uh, you be my timekeeper, okay? <laughs> Cassie's shaking his head. Would you deal with him later, please? Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, Jay, when it's 11, uh, 11 o'clock, you cut it off. Okay. I <laughs> should have probably asked Brent or somebody else. Mark eight thirty three. <laughs> Mark eight thirty three. 33. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying... Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of things of God, but the things of men. Again, just giving you different accounts, Matthew and Mark. Without knowing it, Peter was speaking for Satan. That's why Jesus rebuked him. He was speaking for Satan. Satan had purposely tempted Jesus to divert him from the cross, right? Okay. Peter, although perhaps well-intentioned, was trying to divert Jesus from his work on the cross. That's why Jesus rebuked him but that's conflict, right? And that probably hurt more than a lot because, I mean, the disciples, they they dropped everything to follow Jesus, and now he's just getting rebuked by Jesus. That hurts a little bit, right? Think about that the next time that um, JE yells at you. Okay. Pilate and the people, Matthew 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all But rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it. It was not favorable. It was not a favorable favorable position. Do you realize, like I said, when you stand for truth, your actions, your life, it doesn't have to be something that you actually vocalize. You will create a disturbance, a conflict... Just by living out Christ and standing for truth. And the higher the standard, the closer you get to the Lord, the more the world hates you. But there's comfort because Jesus tells us that he hated me first. Right? But that's what I'm saying. We've lived, and I tell this to my kids, we've lived in a comfort. If you're in America compared to the rest of the world, you are privileged. Right? So I I hate this whole privileged. Well, okay. Um, So it's like you live in America, you're privileged. There are lots of distractions. That's why he had the conversation with the rich young ruler, because wealth can be a distraction from from relying on, from focusing on, to getting all of our provisions from our almighty Father. That's why that's so dangerous. That's why I try to live disturbed. I'm telling you, you don't believe me, ask any one of my friends in this room how often I try to tell them that I want to be disturbed and I want to disturb you or my kids or my wife. It is so easy to go to our jobs and to be successful and like I said, have all the things and then leave Christ out of our day. And I'm telling you, I do the same thing. So I'm not not raising my voice because I'm angry. I'm raising my voice because I'm passionate, and I care about running toward the Lord with you. We've got to get serious. We're in a war. And we have an enemy that wants to kill you, wants to steal from you. He wants to take you out. And I don't know, but maybe... You know, if I saw somebody running at me with a gun, I mean, my response would be interesting. (laughs) But so would yours, right? Because it's in your face. And yet, we get complacent because we can't see the enemy right now. We can't see the enemy. So, it's we don't see it, so... Are we actually putting the face paint on and bearing arms, putting on the armor of God all the time because we have an enemy that wants to take us out? And if you're unarmed, the Bible says, woe to you that doesn't have a brother to help pick you up when you fall because you will fall and I will fall. But I need to be able to call up Brent and Roger, J.E. and some of you here. I need to be able to call you up and say, guys, I'm struggling with this. Help me. Pray with me. Chad. I love Chad's authenticity, man. He's, he's, he's a brother that does not care and he will run after the Lord. And that's what I'm saying. We all need to be that way and we need to do it together. And that's why we need to have fellowship. That's why we need to have to, to bear arms so that we don't allow the enemy to break us apart, to disrupt the unity of the faith so that we can run towards him and then we're a threat to his kingdom. And if you're not feeling attacked right now, then I would say, then what are you doing? Because you're probably not a threat to the kingdom. If you're living life comfortably right now, you're probably not a threat to the kingdom. I know I made eye contact with some of you just then. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not speaking directly to you, so don't be afraid. Don't look down when I scan in your direction. <laughs> All right. Um, where was I? Um, Paul and Peter. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Galatians 2.11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. That's conflict, right? I withstood him to his face. It's conflict. Paul and Barnabas. What's interesting here, I I put some... Some uh, commentary and some things, uh, my thoughts in the notes as I broke this apart and studied it. But Barnabas actually vouched for Paul in the beginning. Because they were afraid of Paul because he used to kill him. <laughs> Which I get that, right? It's like, hey guys, let's invite him over to Thanksgiving. It's like, well, he tried to kill my mom. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's, that's, that's hard, right? Well, he actually vouched for him. Acts 9 26, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27 But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas actually means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. He stepped in against everyone else, and I just want you to look at this for a minute because my question to you is if everyone in the room, even the people that you're close to in the church, all of them were going against Barnabas. for wh- Why? They were afraid. Fear. Fear is a heck of a motivator. Ask Joe Biden for 2020. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that YouTube is probably uh, going to be a distant memory. Um, <laughs> all right, so, but he, he's the one. So he opposed everyone else, all the ones that were closest to him. He, he went against them. He stood for truth. He stood for what he believed God wanted him to do, and he vouched for Paul with the other disciples. You see that? Now, that could have created some conflict, right? However, halfway through the mission work and journey that Paul and Barnabas were on, John, Mark, Mark, which we refer to him as Mark, left. This became a point of contention. Well, when they were planning their second missionary journey, they disagreed on who to bring. Acts 15, 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Verse 37, now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. 38, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from Pamphila and had not gone with them to work. So basically, Paul is thinking, I don't want to bring him. I couldn't rely on him. He deserted us halfway through the missionary mission. I don't want to bring him because by his character, by his word, he's not somebody that I actually want to rely on to come with us on this journey. I don't want him to come. And so Paul and Barnabas, the one that vouched for him in the beginning, they went separate, on separate journeys because of a conflict, because of a conflict. <clears throat> then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and, sa- and sailed to Cyprus. The contention became so sharp. Now, these are people that I would look as like the leaders of the church, right? So conflict will happen. And when it does, I love what Roger uh, says. He, 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 he constantly, in, in times when we've even been in conversations, he'll say, guys, conflict is good. Right? And it is. Why? because you don't grow when you're comfortable. I don't grow when I'm comfortable. And it's anti-biblical, because if that were the case, then why would Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen 17 say, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend? That's friction. Brent may not always agree with me, and I may not always agree with Brent, but we're on the same path. We are agreed because we are running towards the same Lord, and I trust the Lord in him. And so in that friction, in that that conflict, we are growing together because I know his heart for the Lord and for me. And so if he rebukes me or says something that, that maybe doesn't feel all that good, I value him, I love him, I thank him. You've got to learn to embrace conflict. You have to learn to embrace conflict. We have to learn to embrace conflict. Um, And then Paul chose Silas, and I read that, uh, Acts 15, 40. Number 14, Paul and the Corinthian church, Paul and the Corinthian church, the city of Corinth was wicked. It was notorious for its immorality. And Hellenistic Greek, the verb Corinthiamosa, yep, meant to practice fornication. So Corinthiastes was a whoremonger, and to employ the services of a Corinthian girl was to, and I'm looking, there's not young kids, right? Oh, yeah, mine. (laughs) She's fine. To hire a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) They worshipped Aphrodite. Because of the worship of this pagan god, it's believed that there were a thousand temple prostitutes, temple prostitutes. That's why Paul told men to not have long hair, not because it was this Southern Baptist kind of thing that we shouldn't grow our hair long, it was because they were blurring gender distinction in the church with temple prostitution. So the women were shaving their heads, the men were growing their hair long so they could blur the gender distinction and the divine order of God in creation. Because they worshiped a pagan God, Aphrodite. Thousand prostitutes. And he received reports about various problems that harmed the church. Divisions, the church breaking apart because they would hold to a different philosophy than someone else. 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 1 Corinthians 1.11, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Right? Because the church, you know, met in, in homes, Right, So Chloe's household was just, he was referring to the church. So this is what was going on. And I've, 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 I've broken this down and I've laid it all out to you. Oh, you know, I'm going to print out the notes in the very last week. But because I don't know when I'm going to end <laughs> in my notes from like weeks one through three, I don't want to give you notes now because I don't know when they're going to stop. Right? So I need, I'm just going to give you everything on the fourth week. <laughs> all right. All right. So... Um, yeah, so here so it's broken out for you abuses of the Lord's table in the resurrection 11:17 through 34, unbridled arrogance and self-promotion 5 two Immor- immorality and unrepentant sin in the church. They sued one another for personal gain in chapter six, seven and eight. They fought for their right to use to use prostitutes. They were fighting for their right to use prostitutes in uh, chapter 6, 12 through 13. They were pressuring others to conform to their belief that one should not marry or abstain from other sexual relations in marriage, adultery. They were trying to use scripture to justify the validate their sin. That doesn't happen today. Praying for Andy Stanley. They defended their ongoing participation in sacred meals for the Greco-Roman gods without concern for the harm that it might bring to others or to themselves. Chapters 8, 9 through 13. Chapters 10, 6 through 12. See, did you guys see that, though? Because, like, Brent just laughed when I said that, so that's probably something that he's going to rebuke me on later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Women
0: sought to diminish the men's divinely ordained authority over them to enjoy. Some of the Corinthians propose, per, or purposely excluded the poor from their banquet associated with communion so that they could enjoy their own better food or drink. Basically, it was for the social elite. They were, they were telling people that didn't have their social status that they couldn't come to the table. <clears throat> um. They used their spiritual gifts without love, without consideration for the edification of the church, chapters 12 through 14. Their view of the resurrection justified a great deal of their questionable morality, chapters 6, and 14, and chapters 15, 32, and 33. They were not forthcoming with the collection for the poor in Jerusalem, chapters 16, 1 through 3. The culture was full of orators who were full of themselves and promoted it. Self-promotions, chapters one through four. They would pursue, pursue their own social enhancement and physical gratification with whatever means available. They brought all of their pre-Christian lives into the church instead of turning away from it. Validated its ability to coexist and allowed those ideas to take root in the church. What? Oh, I thought you were saying that wasn't on the notes or something. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't happen today. By the way, let me just say this just just really quick quickly because. I've had conversations with this. I, I mentioned a name, right? So I called, a, called somebody out. So I just want you to know that there's over 50 Bible verses in the New Testament that talk about testing prophets, testing teachers, testing apostles, testing everything, and six verses where Paul called, Paul called people out by name because they were leading a people astray from the faith. That's right. Okay? So just kind of put that out. If, if that ruffled anybody, I'd love for you to come talk to me afterwards, please. Like, this, again, conflict, right? Yes. Living examples. I love it. My wife is like sinking in her chair. (laughs) So the divide. And some of us practice conflict avoidance. Some of us practice conflict avoidance. And so here's the world system. I don't think this is in my notes. So my notes, not up on the PowerPoint. World system. Let's Let's everyone get along, and then if there is a conflict, avoid it at all costs, leading to a potential divide as bitterness grows. Isn't that what we're told in our society? Isn't that the world system? We just need to love is love, and we need to tolerate, because if you don't actually now... Now, see, do you know that tolerance was actually me disproving or not agreeing with what you were doing? Like, if you're going down to to serve at the soup kitchen, I don't say, okay, well, I'll tolerate that. No, if you're doing something I don't like, then I tolerate that. That's what tolerance is. Now, tolerance has been hijacked by the world system so that you and I now have to embrace what they're doing and now celebrate it. more I could say, but I won't. Okay, And so that's tolerance. That's the world system. That's the world system that I need to be very accepting of you and whatever you think, whatever you want to do. And if you want to put women's clothes on, if you're a guy and you want to do a dance at the restaurant that I'm enjoying dinner with my family, then I'm, then I'm a bigot if I don't like that. kind of hope that happens to me someday. (laughs) But that's the world system. Let's get along with everyone. And if there's a conflict, avoid it leading to a a potential divide as bitterness grows. And there are over 50 Bible verses, and I've already talked about that, testing apostles, prophets, false teachers, every spirit, five, five Bible verses that call people out specifically by name. We test by being in the word of God and knowing what it says. So when you hear, how do we test? We test to the authority of what? The word. We test to the authority of the word. How can we test everything if we don't know anything about what it says? There's a famine of the Word of God that's being taught. We have to be in the Word. We have to be able to test everything. Everything. God's system. The contrast, right, because everything that God creates, Satan wants to destroy and then create a counterfeit, right, to, to uh, cause us to be deceived and disillusioned. God's system. Iron sharpening iron. We must have godly fellowship. We must wrestle that's what iron sharpening iron is. Do you know the process of sharpening iron? It's not a pleasant experience. I mean, if the iron could talk. I'm just, right? I mean, it's like I talked about this at the youth because, you know, it gets hot, very hot, and, you know, friction with something else to remove the, the impurities, the imperfections to create the sharp edge. Well, I want people, listen, I don't, I, it drives me nuts when people say, well, I just love a you know, person that accepts me for who I am. That's the definition of a true friend. Somebody that just accepts me for who I am. The person at the McDonald's drive thru accepts you for who you are. That's not the definition of a true friend. Again, okay, what does the Bible talk about friendship? We just concluded a series in youth about what the Bible says about friendships. You know when Brent was talking about how we want to impart the word of God to the youth? Yeah. Like we want to know what it says and teach them how to study the word of God. We just finished that friendship series. But that's iron sharpening iron, and we must have godly fellowship. We must wrestle, and that's the purpose. And if there are issues, we must reconcile. We must. But normally what happens, somebody gets upset, and guess what? We don't see him anymore. It's weak. We need men to rise up, lead our families, be a good friend, be be the husband, be the father that we need to be, be a leader because we're Christ followers out in the world, being a light, a light bearer for Christ in all that we do. We are not weak. We are men of the most high God, and we have his nature living in us. We don't need to be weak. I feel my phone vibrating. I'm wondering if Matt's texting me right now saying, you're yelling, you're yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why is this God's system? Conflict resolution in the body of Christ is crucial for several reasons. Avoidance of conflict with no effort to resolve it postpones a proper response and exacerbates the problem because conflicts that are allowed to fester unaddressed will always increase and have negative effects on relationships within the body. You guys with me? The goal of conflict resolution is unity. And unity in the church poses a threat to the devil who will use every opportunity to take advantage of unresolved issues, especially those involving anger, bitterness, self-pity, and envy. These emotions are involved in most church conflicts, aren't they? Scripture tells us that we're to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from us along with all malice, Ephesians 4.31. Failure to obey this command results in division in the body of Christ and grieve of the Holy Spirit. We're also told not to allow a root of bitterness to spring up among us, leading to trouble and defilement. Hebrews 12:15. Clearly, a biblical method of conflict resolution is needed. Right? I hope you're getting this. If you think that you can go through life not having conflict, you're mistaken. And if you're not con- like having conflict resolution, We're missing an opportunity for us to grow together and run to the Lord together. That's what this is about. That is what this is about. Satan is trying to divide us so that we can be ineffective for the kingdom. And we are living in the last days. And you know, I grew up hearing that. I really believe it now. (laughs) I really believe it now. Our feelings sometimes will lead us to hang on to bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. And a lot of people are led by their... We even say this a lot. And I, I told my family the other day, I said, you know what, I'm going to try and remove feel from my vocabulary in certain contexts. You know, because we say, well, I just, I just feel like, right? I mean, I just, when you did, I feel like this, or, you know, I feel, right? Unless it's, you know, the stove just burned me. <laughs> right? I felt that, and it wasn't pleasant, right? So feel like, I'm trying to remove that from my, and I'm not telling you you need to remove that from your vocabulary. I'm just saying I don't, it's a pet peeve of mine, so I want to remove it from my, my, my vocabulary because a lot of people live led by their feelings. Does anybody know anyone like that? Nobody nudge your spouse right now. <laughs> I'm watching you. Feelings are fickle and cannot be trusted. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, not on, on, your under, lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So we're going to stop right there just because it's 11 and I want to be very respectful of your time. <clears throat> but what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is really laying this out in a very clear and concise way in what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and that realizing that there is conflict and how can we navigate that? How can we deal with conflict resolution? What does that actually look like? And how do we grow so that the enemy can't just divide us and break us apart? That's what this is all about. And this came actually... um, Sorry, Randy, if I'm... throwing you under the bus here. But she was just saying, you know what? We were talking about this, and I was telling the Lord was laying on my heart, and she was like, you need to teach this. This is not in the church. Like, you need to talk about this, and you need to take people through because I haven't heard it like that. And that's why I I, I just want to just appeal to you for a minute that... If you're not, how do I articulate this? If you're <clears throat> if you're going on day to day and having conflict and ha- not having the ability to allow conflict resolution, we are ruining our witness for the body of Christ. It's almost like the Lord is handing us, you know, it's like I pray sometimes, God, give, open a door for me to be able to talk to somebody and share, share you to them. And it's like, well, 2020, boom, here's a bunch of things. Now, you have all the openings (laughs) that you could have because there's so many things for you to be able to talk, talk, talk about. We have to look at this and not lose the ability, and we have to know how to deal with this first. And we have to know what's wrong, what's right, and how does the Bible view this, and how do we fix it, and how do we grow, and how do we have unity of the faith so that the enemy cannot take us out? And that breaks my heart. Because you know what happens when I see people leave, like the Bible study or something else? And I've seen it. I've seen it. for. The, it's not. Just, I hope you realize that's not just here. It happens everywhere. Everywhere. I cannot tell you that Bible studies that I was leading years ago and Bible studies that my friends were leading years ago. One of the youth kids that was actually a big part of my life, I heard from him when things were going great. But then when I didn't hear from him... I knew that he got tripped up and he was living in sin. And that's what happens. Fellowship breaks, and then Satan takes you out. That's what happens. And we just can't let it happen. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, we do love you. We thank you for your word. We're asking that you would impart to us wisdom That not just the knowledge, because knowledge is the knowing, but the wisdom is the application of what you've illuminated to us. But ultimately, we ask that you would lead us, Holy Spirit, so that it wouldn't be our words, it would be yours. But we also know that the only way for you to actually lead us is by us getting closer to you and being able to hear your voice. And how does that happen? That happens by us being in your word daily. So Lord, I pray that you would put on everyone here and everyone in the church outside of these doors the desire to get into your word because you can't be in your word and not be changed and you can't be in your word and not know what it says. That you are the standard, Lord. Your word is the standard that we need to live by. And I pray that in conversations that we have with others that those calloused hearts, those barriers, whatever it is, that they would be broken down And that you would illuminate to us in the upcoming weeks your desire and your teaching for us to be able to reconcile relationships and us run to you together so that we can be before you and you look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if you're you're here today and you don't know this Lord that I'm talking about, I ask that Lord, you would continue to turn their hearts and draw them closer to you. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I pray that you would. And you would know this kind of hope that we have in in an almighty God and a Father who loves you more than anyone could. So come, come to Him. Don't wait. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everyone here today. Be with them as they go out today and live you out on this Sunday afternoon. And we look forward to the upcoming weeks where we get to be transformed by your word. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.